Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Delivery from Staples. Staples guy. More storage bins? Great. Yeah, and you saved a ton with Staples' 110% price match guarantee. I am resolved to getting organized this year. Now everything is boxed up and put away. Whoa. What was that? Oh, no. I boxed up Paul again. Resolve to get organized and get 20% off select office supplies. Staples. Make more happen. Applies to regular priced items only. Excludes ink and toner. Other restrictions may apply. Ends 11417. Staples will match prices for items from retailers with online and retail stores and refund 10% of difference. See storestables.com for details.
Welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It's Sunday, January 8th, and we're already to the second week of the year. It's flying by. We're not even out of January yet. But I tell you, it's a cold day here in the New York area. A couple inches of snow yesterday. Not too bad. You know, uh, we kind of got it cleaned up right away, but it is frigid outside. So let's warm up things with some heavy metal Right there, Pretty Mage with City Lights. I keep waiting for the days that Pretty Mage released an album like that, but it'll never happen again. They've gone in a completely different path over the last 20 years, sort of like Def Leppard. I think we spoke about this a, a few weeks ago. So we'll just reminisce about those glory days of the first couple albums when they were just a kick-ass hard rock band. Hey, we got a great show for everybody tonight. Alan Tecchio of Hades and Watchtower and Silent Assassins, nonfiction, too many bands hold up in about a half hour, but until then, we'll get on as much music as we can, and we'll save a lot of the news and chit-chat for the second half of the program after we're done talking with Alan. How about some uh, Mantador, Black Rose?
rock with swords in the air. Raven, all for one. I tell you, a band that has not lost anything over the last almost four decades. They sound just as great today as they did back then. Uh, the last record was absolutely tremendous, and hopefully it won't take a lot of years to get a new one out. Maybe this year or next at the latest, though. Uh, we go across our fingers and uh, see what happens with that. And before that, Stone Vengeance. I love those guys. I haven't had my coffee on the show in probably seven years. Uh, I should reach out to them and maybe try to get them back on again soon. The band is, the band is still active and playing, but they really haven't done much. A couple of shows here and there. Uh, no new musical recording, so kind of doesn't leave a lot to talk about except for what we talked about the last time. But Mike is a great guy, and uh, maybe we will get him back on here again and see what's shaking with those guys. All right, you know, the other night in the car, I was driving home, and uh, Sirius XM was playing a couple of Slade tunes back-to-back, and, and I'm listening to them, and I'm like, I don't even know what albums that these songs come off of. And I looked it up when I got home, and they were like the last two or three records. And, I mean, the, the music that they've been writing lately has been so forgettable, I should say. I mean, I can't tell one song apart from the other. It's just Tom and a high-pitched scream throughout the song. There's no, there's like nothing memorable about their music, not in a long time. I mean, they've never really gone like the way of Metallica where they've experimented with so many different styles and genres and just kind of lost a lot of their original. They've always been hard and heavy. It's just that, it's just like I said, it's forgettable. I can't remember nothing about these songs. I can't even tell one apart from the other. And for me, that's kind of hard because I'm such a diehard fan. I listen to the music you know, all the time, but I couldn't even tell you what these songs were. It was just him screaming and, and, and a basic riff in the background. And people say, you know, after Jeff died, the songwriter wasn't the same. But some of those tunes they were playing were when Jeff was still in the band and he was alive. It's just nothing like the old days. Those first couple of records, they were fast, they were heavy, but they were memorable. You memorize the songs. They were catchy choruses. Bands, I don't know. They just seem to have given up on, like, you know, the chorus verse thing. I mean, I don't know if they think it's stayed or outdated or what, but, you know, that's how I remember the words and how I remember how the song sounds like those. They just feel it's okay to blast, like, a four-minute song out there where we don't repeat one part. Or if they do, they're just repeating the same part through the whole song. I don't get it. I mean, I'm a Slave fan. I always have been. I always will be. I just don't think they're writing songs like they used to. And you can see, like, when you, when you see them live, they sound great, but you just get that feeling like their heart is not in it anymore. It's just like because they need to make money, you know, uh, and I think it's the same thing when it comes to recording and putting out records. Uh, that's just my opinion, but going back to those old days off the first record, Live by the Blade, You Die by the Sword.
All right, go for the throat with TT Quick. We've got Alan on the line right now. Let's connect them. Let's get this interview going. Hey, Alan, you there? Yo, what's going on, Mike? Gaka, how you doing, buddy? How's everything going? Oh, uh, just awesome. You brought back some big memories with that TT Quick song, for sure. You know, to me, you know, New Jersey had it all as far as heavy metal goes back in the day. I think every great band came out of that state. Oh, thanks, thanks. I, I think there <laughs> were a lot of good ones, for sure. Uh, without a doubt. But, so, I mean, I know it's a cold day out there today in, in New York and New Jersey. We're freezing our asses off over here, but I'm glad you're with this. And, you know, Alan, being such a big fan for so many years, I mean, I look back and people tell me, you know, what is he doing today? I'm like, have you ever seen the guy's, you know, output? I mean, there are literally albums out of songs out every year with you on there. People <laughs> just don't seem to realize it sometimes. <laughs> I appreciate you actually paying attention, brother. <laughs> yeah. What I'm thrilled about now is that, you know, finally Watchtower was able to put all those singles together into the concepts of Math album and, and, and get it out actually, on, you know, on a, on a product that you can release. Yeah, man, listen, there was no easy feat. And uh, I can't take any of the credit for the musical chops those guys bring to the table, but I definitely helped get that all to happen because, unfortunately, you know, it, it's just hard to get those guys motivated to do stuff because they're all doing in their real life, and uh, you know they're not really an active band, but they're, I know that the the fans out there for Watchtower are so rabid that we had to get this stuff out there. So at least we got half the songs out. There's another five songs that I hope we can get out one day. But I yeah, promise it because it, it's hard, man. It's hard. But you're you're uh, you're right. It was it was definitely uh, great to finally get that stuff out there. I'm, I'm happy to be a part of that again. You know. Uh, so weak because I mean, since control and resistance, I mean, things just you know ended and kind of disappeared for a long time. There was talk over the years about the band getting back together, you know, like on a permanent basis. But I guess it just really never happened, right? Yeah, I mean, they got back with Jason, who was the you know the original singer, Jason McMaster, who he yeah. and I are friends, and that's actually how I got into the band because his band Dangerous Toys got signed to CBS, and he left the vacancy for the vocal spot, and the Hades stuff with me was was kind of breaking apart at that point, so. Uh, it was just a great, perfect opportunity. But Jason and them got back together in like, uh, I want to say like 2004 or so. And they went to Europe. They did some festival shows and stuff. And they started working on the new material. But unfortunately, Jason's in like, you know, eight or ten bands or something. And it was hard for him to, to kind of really drive it forward like he did in the early days with those guys. So they enlisted me to come back on board. And, of course, I was happy to do so because I'm, I'm a huge Watchtower fan, uh, let alone be, you know, being the singer. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be the norm today. I mean, is it normal for people that want to stay in this business to have to involve themselves in multiple bands or projects just to keep busy or active? You know, I don't know, man. I, there was a, a few years I took a break, like two years where I really didn't do much. I was very disillusioned. This is after nonfiction broke up. We had uh, lost our record deal. And I had a small band called All Time Low with Mike Christie, who was the drummer in nonfiction. And we just played bars and stuff, and I deliberately didn't want to shop our tapes to anyone. I just wanted to create music. And I remember going and playing the Birch Hill Nightclub in Old Bridge, which is long gone now, and we opened up for Sabotage, who we had just toured with the previous year in Europe, all through Europe. And they were great. And here we are as this little opening band. Uh, the promoter only wanted to pay us $50 for playing there. And we had actually brought, like, close to 100 people, so we really – based on our deal with the promoter, we're supposed to get a few hundred bucks. And I'm like, you know what? I'm in my 30s now, and now I'm 50. But back then, I was in my 30s, and I'm like, I'm just too old to deal with this. Like, I'm just going to shut down. 
But if you have musical creativity inside of you, I think you need to find a way to let it out. So maybe it is through being in multiple projects. Uh, certainly for me, I'm in four different things right now, and it's more than I can even take on, but I, I just love being creative, and I'm thankful to play with guys that I like. Yeah. You know, I, I kill because I love – I have that all-time uh, low demo, you know, I, with low life and think for yourself. I think Off the Hook was on that, and I love that tape. I was always hoping that more would have came out of it. But, you know, back then, you don't know the whole backstory, what's going on with the members and how you're feeling, what's taking place. Then you hear about it, like, okay, I get, you know, why not they came out of it. But that was a great band. Thanks, dude. Well, I'll tell you what, Mike Christie played bass, drums, and guitar on that particular demo. But there's a second demo that has Steve Trulio on drums, who you may not know, and Dave Jengo on bass, who was in that band Revenant back in the day. And that's actually really good, too. Our second demo is more of a live band kind of thing, and I can send you those songs if you want to hear them. They're really good. Oh, I would love to hear that. You know, I, I go back to the Hades days. That's how I first came across you, and, you know, and, and musically. And I followed you with everything you've done, you know, since that time. And to me, Hades, to me, one of my all-time favorite bands, a band I felt should have been huge. And it just seems like it just never stuck. Nothing ever stuck, no matter what you guys did back in the early days. I, I never just, I don't know what happened, but it was like the music was there. The show was there. Everything was, everything was there for you guys I, as a fan. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I, look, I don't disagree. I mean, we had a lot of really good breaks come our way. Jimmy Shulman, our bass player, was friends with the owners of Lemoore. So those through that relationship, oh, my God, we got so many great opening gigs at Lemoore. We opened up for Megadeth and Anthrax and, you know, Armored Saint and Metal Church and Flotsam and Jetsam. I mean, you name it, the big metal bands in the 80s, we always got that support slot, and it helped us, you know, create our own draw there. And actually, we could play there ourselves at a certain point. But, um, but you know how it is, brother. It's life. You, you, there's no guarantees. True. You know? sure. and, uh, and I think we, um, we, we kind of imploded on tour. Dan Lorenzo and I had we really went at it and had some major fights. And I had that Watchtower offer kind of sitting in my back pocket while we were on tour in Europe. And it really just, for me, it reached a boiling point, particularly with him. And that's what blew the band up. So I quit in Belgium. We finished out the rest of the tour. And then I came home and I went down to Texas to audition and the rest was history, you know? Yeah. Is that the hardest part about being in a band is more the personalities than the business part of it and everything else that goes around and making the band take off and happen? Is it just the members, you know, getting on each other's nerves after a while? You know, I think that's a major part of it, Mike. It really is. It's like, it's like life. You know what I mean? You don't always love everybody you work with, but you suck it up to an extent and you, you realize, you know what, I got to make some sacrifices here. This is, quote-unquote, paying my dues. So I did that for many, many years. And at a certain point, you realize, you know what, man, I don't want to have to go to that level. I've, I've given everything I can. It's not cool. I'm not going to be treated this way. And I'm going to do something with guys that I really love being around. So I made it a – I mean, it took me mega years to figure this out. It was not like an overnight decision. But I realized, you know what, if I'm going to do music – because I want to create still, and I hope to be able to create till my dying day. But I want to do it with guys that I can sit around and have a beer with and, and talk with and want to be in their presence as friends, let alone as bandmates. And that makes the band stuff so much better, you know? Yeah. I think Dick Van Dyke was onto something when he came out with that one-man band and uh, Mary Poppins. <laughs> you make a good point, man. You uh, make a good point. Did did you ever think about like just going solo and doing it like you know when you were the band and you had people backing you up that you did want to play with for everything that you wanted to do? 
Well, you know, it's funny you say that. Like, I'm I'm a, a a diplomatic kind of guy like that. First off, I'm not really a musician, right? So I'm not going to pretend that, oh, I can write all these great songs. I need to write with people that inspire me to write cool lyrics, melodies, and harmonies. And that, for me, is more of a collaboration. So I never wanted it to be about me. The only time that ever happened, I kind of got pushed into the corner to do it, which was um, – Oh my gosh, I'm going to say it was 2011 or 2012. Uh, we had done Bang Your Head Festival with Hades in Germany, and I took Dan Lorenzo there kicking and screaming. He did not want to go do it. And I'm like, dude, this is the last bastion of fans. You know what I mean? Like Europe, they just remember the music and, and totally still support it. So he went and he, he was like, oh my God, it was the greatest experience of my life. Thank you so much for making me do this. So he booked the festival for the following year the headbangers open air and i was like yeah dude i'll totally do that i love going to europe and playing it's, it's great you make some money you, you see all the old fans that really care about who you are and unlike in america for the most part and they they adore you and it's great and then during that time leading up to that festival uh, dan and i also worked at the same uh, magazine selling advertising and writing columns and i had left and he was just you know really upset that I left and stayed friends with my editor who got fired and it became a real personal thing. And literally two months before the German date, he calls me up. He's like, you know what? There's no way I can go to Germany. It was a totally personal F you to me that he gave me with that. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like you booked this show. <laughs> yeah. And it's Hades. And it's Hades, dude. Like you started Hades in high school. It's not my band. You know, like I sang on all the records and stuff, but I don't take ownership of Hades. I didn't start the band, and he really kind of screwed me. So I had to put a band together because I reached out to the promoter, and I said, look, you know, Dan's not going to come, and we can't do this show. And he, the promoter was just like, dude, it's two months away. All of the swag is already printed, all the posters, all the T-shirts, all the sweatshirts. Everything has your name on it. And Hades is headlining Friday night. He's like, you oh. cannot bail out. You can't bail out of this gig. He's like, you have to come. And it was very flattering what he said to me, but – it was also like major pressure because he's like, I don't care who's playing in the band as long as you're singing and you're doing the first two albums. He goes, this, this behavior from Dan Lorenzo, he said, is not a surprise to us. <laughs> like, wow. We're not surprised at all, but we're not going to let you off the hook. So that's the only time I had to put a band together and kind of make it like the Alan Tecchio show where we went and did Haiti songs, but I didn't really feel great about it. And I didn't even want to build it as Hades because it really wasn't Hades except for Kevin Bolenbach played bass from nonfiction, and he played on some Hades uh, shows with us in the past. And Ronnie Lipnicki, who was an overkill after that, uh, played drums, and he's on the Damnation record with Hades. So those are the only two guys that were actually really in Hades, but Jack Frost stepped up and helped me out, and Sean Torres stepped up and helped me out, and we actually made it happen. But that's the only time it was sort of all about me. And I, honestly, I'm not really even that comfortable with that kind of thing. I like a collaboration kind of thing, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, you were kind of put on the spot. I mean, so I think I completely get that. Plus, the fans over there, like it says, they're so diehard. And to have, like, you know, you singing all those songs again to them, it was like, you know, Hades being there. And it, technically, you know, in a way, it was Hades, but not the way you wanted it to be. But the fans love it, you know, so they, they go crazy for that stuff. Dude, listen, it was a killer show, as it turned out. I mean, we were sloppy on, like, two or three songs that were really technical, but the rest of the songs sounded great. And the best thing was the promoter came up to me backstage after that gig, and he goes, now that was a headline performance. <laughs> 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 now, 
And it, it just made my night, man, because I was very sketchy going into that. We had to rehearse so much to get somewhat tight for that gig. You know, it was, it was, it was definitely a lot of work. So is Hades like a Dundale then, or or you never say never, you know, in music? Yeah, you know what, pretty much. I mean, listen, if Hades went on without me, I, I would have no issue with that at all. The same for nonfiction. Like, I would never want to hold those guys back. Whoever wants to do something, they're more than welcome to do it. I would never badmouth them. I would never say anything about them. I, I would be like, God bless you guys. But Dan has really crossed the line with me too many times. I and mean, last time I ran into him, he was threatening me to a fist fight at a client. And it's like high school stuff, you know what I mean? I'm 50 years old, brother. Like, I'm not going down that road at this point, so I don't yeah. need that kind of negative energy in my life. And Dan's got his own issues, and I wish him all the best. I don't have any, like, hate toward the guy at all. But I'm also never going to be letting anybody treat me like that. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to go into a band scenario, no matter how nice the guy is toward me, knowing that the reality is it's probably going to blow up and be like that again, and I'm just too old to deal with it, bro. I'm just not going to do it, you know, so... I, I wish them all the best if they do something without me. I'm not saying there's never going to be another Hades, because if they do something, God bless them. But I guarantee you I'm not going to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. You know, because when you think about it, everything that everybody's gone through in this business over the last 20 or 30, some guys 40 years, I mean, you know, the pressure from the 80s where every band tried to make it big and started to make that's over. It should be enjoyable now at our age where you, you are able to get together, if not even recording new music, just, you know, to do the festivals, do a show here and there, one-off, where, you know, you're going to get a nice audience to come out and see the band. You think you could just enjoy, you know, enjoy it at this point of our lives and not, like you said, have that child, childhood shit come up, like the high school stuff. Yeah, dude, I totally agree with that, bro. I totally agree with that. Hey, because if it's not fun at this point in time, there's no point in it because God only knows nobody's making money doing this anymore. So if you're not having fun, right. why even bother? Exactly. Like, I mean, I'm even doing this crazy cover band thing with Jack Frost and Johnny Kelly from Typo and Mike LaPond and, you know, a bunch of different guys all playing together. And, and I'm not even the only singer. There's like two or three singers. And it's, uh, it's called the Frost Metal Coalition. And we're just going out doing cover songs. But it's fun because I enjoy being around these guys, you know? And yeah. if we don't draw a ton of people and we only get paid a little bit of money, like it's still worth it to me to go out and keep my vocal chops up and my stage presence chops up and, and just to keep doing it and, and, and doing stuff, you know? But it's got to be with guys that you enjoy being around, like you said. Yeah. I think my, you're talking about Mike Lapon. I know you want the Silent Assassin's record. You're working on, on the follow-up. I think the only two bands Mike isn't in is Chicago and Madonna's outfit. I think those are the only two <laughs> bands he don't play with. That guy plays in everybody's band. I, I, I don't know how he does it, because <laughs> I know he doesn't get paid, like, big, big money for a lot of these things, but he is so busy. And I tell you what, it, it's a testament to how the guy's chops are, because I'm done with the whole new Silent Assassin's record. Like, it's all tracked. We're waiting on Mike Romeo to kind of clean up the tracks and then get the mixes done. But it's brilliant. It's it's old school metal. Mike wrote everything. This is yeah. a band that I'm not doing lyrics and melodies and stuff for. I'm, I'm contributing some, you know, melodic stuff and harmony stuff, but not a lot. It's mostly Mike. But I love doing it because he's so easy to work with, and I love the stuff. And Mike Romeo is an absolute pleasure because he's the guy who tracks me when I'm doing my vocals. And it's just a labor of love, you know, and I get paid. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's the best of both worlds, you know what I mean? But yeah, LaPond is probably the busiest bass player in the universe. 
Absolutely. I mean, Mike's been on the show before. He's a great guy. That's, that first record was killer. So I know the second one is going to be the same. Symphony X is his main thing. It's his bread and butter. I get that. But do you think somewhere down the road, Silent Assassins can turn into like a, a band that will hit the road, maybe do some shows here and there? Well, you know, sad to say, I would love to, to say that Watchtower is a band that's going to do that, but I just know the struggles that are involved with that. Uh, to, to answer your question, yeah. I mean, they're talking about doing two weeks right now, sometime in May uh, of this year in Europe. And it's not set. You know, we're definitely not doing it yet, but we're, we're working on dates and we're working with a promoter to try to get it together. So that will probably be the next thing I actually go out on the road with if I go out at all. That would be great. I mean, I know one of the things that I loved when I saw the video, well, you know, the, the phone videos, nothing's real videos there. Everybody's got a phone video from the phone was Heathen's Rage when you played with them a couple of years ago. To me, I didn't expect that. I didn't see that coming. That was so great. I have people in the chat ask me, are you guys going to do more? Is it was just that one-time thing? Are you going to record maybe new music? <laughs> well, Mike, I didn't see that coming either. <laughs> I totally was blindsided by that. I, mean, you know, I didn't even know it was Mike's original band. I sort of remembered those guys from like seeing yeah. ads and like, like the Aquarian magazine back in the 80s. I sort of remember who they were, but I didn't know any songs. And Mike was just like, hey, dude, if you want to do this, you'll get paid, and you got to learn all these songs. There's like 13 songs or something. And it turns out those guys, you know, the other two guys, Rob and Chris, are not like active playing members in Ethan's Rage. They're, you know, older guys like me. And uh, they were just super cool. So we got together. We started jamming like crazy to get tight. And then we went over. We played, uh, we played a show in Trenton. It's kind of like a warm-up gig. And then we went over to Germany, and then we went over to Greece. We did a German show and a show in Athens, and uh, it was awesome. I, I don't know that anything else is coming of that because, like I said, I've got four projects right now, and I can't even get to two of them, and I know the guys are getting kind of pissed off at me. But I'm, I'm not dedicating any time to uh, the one group is called Tectonics, and the other group is called Level Fields. And, you know, I'm dragging my feet in completing songs with them. So to take something else on, it's just pretty much impossible, you know what I mean? But I love those Heathens Rage guys. And that show and that whole experience was phenomenal. How was it when you, like, when you step into something like that? Because they were like a cult underground band for many years ago. A lot of, they have a lot of diehard like fans that remember their music. So now when you step in there, I mean, you're talking 20, 30 years since the demo tape came out and other stuff. Do you want to try to keep it original to the way it was, or do you put your mark on, on the old songs? Well, you know what? I think Jack Frost really helped me out when I joined Seven Witches in like 2006. He helped me to really kind of find my voice as a singer. And it sounds silly because I had already done a million CDs at that point, but I really never really found my voice. I don't know how to put it any other way. It's just like you find kind of what you are and, and how to do it as best you can. And I also, by the way, have a lifelong learner kind of attitude. Like I never perfect anything. So I'm trying to always get better, whether it's my approach, my attack, my, my tone, my, my pitch, whatever it is, I'm always trying to get it better. And Jack, really, I got to give him credit because he's one of the guys who resuscitated me after that couple of years where I wasn't doing anything uh, into finding that voice. So when it came to Heathen's Rage, I treated it like a cover song. Like, I do it to give respect to the original version, but there were also two Heathen's Rage singers. So it's not like one guy I'm trying to, like, emulate. Yeah. There were two different guys. They had two different kind of styles. And I just kind of brought my style to their melodies, if that makes any sense. And then I tweaked the melodies to the way I would have done it. And not, not drastically, so that the fans were like, 
what is that? You know, I did it to the point where it gave respect to what was laid down originally, and it kind of put my twist on it. Uh, so that's that's kind of what I did, but I don't even really consciously think about that. Like I just kind of sing it, and it is what it is, you know. Yeah, when I think about some of the bands you played in, you mentioned Seven Witches, and you know you told the story about Hades before. You definitely played with a, a bunch of temperamental guitar players over the years. <laughs> It's always that, right? It's always like the uh, Joe Perry, Steven Tyler thing, or Jimmy <laughs> Page, Robert Plant thing. There's always these, you know, two strong personality kind of things that can can kind of fight. But you know what? Jack and I have gotten along great. Uh, you know, he's always given me respect and, and treated me well, and I have no real issues. And I've toured all over the place. You really know a guy when you're stuck in a van with him in Europe. <laughs> you know, like what kind yeah. of person that is. And that's when it all really comes to. Uh, you know, to his head, if you will. And it always went well with him. Um, you know, obviously the dance stuff, not so much. The Watchtower stuff, you know, Ronnie Jarzombek and I are, are super tight. It was really, I, I would say, largely due to he and I kind of commiserating with one another that got that Watchtower record done. You know, because I was with them in 2009, I think it was, and we did the song The Size of Matter. And then those guys threw me out because I wanted credit for my melodies. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, like, all of a sudden, I'm I'm out of the band, and I'm like, we're not even really a band, and what the heck is going on? <laughs> you know, like it was the craziest thing that I tell you when I when I tell you that of all the shows I've done in Europe, that show we did at Keep It True with Watchtower was the most off the chain experience of my life. Guys were jumping over each other to get to us to sign autographs with all their CDs and albums that they had from Watchtower and Hades and you name it. And it was so cool that I couldn't believe I was thrown out like a week later. I'm like, what? But five years later, Ronnie, John Zombeck reaches out to me and he's like, dude, you want to finish this stuff up? And I'm like, yeah. You know, I wanted to yeah. finish it up five years ago. And, uh, and, and so that's a very different thing, you know, because quite honestly, I think Ron and Rick and Doug are kind of like geniuses in their own right. And it's very different than any other band I've been in. I've I've told people this before. If those guys were from Jersey or New York, I would never talk to them again. (laughs) (laughs) But But they're totally not jerks, you know what I mean? They're just really super smart. They're almost like idiot savants, you know? And it's really cool to be able to even play with them. And so I definitely suck it up a little bit more than I would with any other band just because it's washtowering, you know? Yeah, I know. Well, you were talking about Level Fields. I've heard of it, but don't know much about the music yet. I mean, I don't, you didn't put anything out yet officially, have you? We've released a bunch of songs one at a time digitally, so I can send you all that stuff, Mike, if you want to hear it. Uh, it's a German guitar player, German drummer, and my buddy uh, Clint on bass, who was in this band Autumn Hour that I, I did a record with in 2009. That was kind of my own band that I basically handpicked everybody for, guitar, bass, and drums. And Clint is just such an easy guy to work with. He lives down toward Philly in South Jersey. And we do everything online. So we have almost a CD's worth of material now. We're hoping to finish up a couple songs. Again, it's it's a matter of time and me me getting behind the mic and tracking it. But I hope to do that in the next few months, finish up a couple more songs, and then maybe try to put it out as a CD, even if it's on our own dime. Because, you know, the game has changed so much since I started. You know, nobody's handing out big record deals for hundreds of thousands of dollars. I know. You know, so um, you, you got to really want to do it. But I think that that's great because I love working with these guys. Sonically, I would say there's a bit of nonfiction in it for sure. 
because um, the guitar player was a big nonfiction fan. That, that's originally how we met. He had one song that he, that he told his brother, who was a Facebook friend of mine, uh, that he heard me singing on. And I said, well, send me the song. And you know, he paid me to sing on it. And it was actually really cool. And then we just started steamrolling songs after that. And it was this is during the time where I really wasn't working with, non, with, uh, with Watchtower. So I had time. So I was kind of focused on doing that stuff, and I can track in my house. So I was just starting to track vocals, and you know, I guess we have probably I don't know, eight or nine songs now, and we'd like to get a few more done, and then maybe put something out. But right now, you can if you Google it, you'll find it on iTunes or Amazon if you want to pick off the songs one at a time. But I can send you all of them if you want to check them out. I still buy my music no matter what it is, just so I can support bands. That's the only way to do it today. You know, I'll send my ninety-nine cents. <laughs> I'll pick it up. Nice. Well, I appreciate that for sure. Yeah. But, you know, you, you're talking about Automower. The Throne, Dethroned was such a great record. And I think I played End User a couple of weeks ago on the show. Was, to me, it was something different. I didn't expect that kind of sound and style from you, you know, with things you've done before that in the past. Uh, was it Thanks. nice kind of like going out, you know, going outside of the box of what people thought of you as a musician? Yeah, you know, I mean, I really, at that point, you got to remember, I got to put myself back into that time frame. I had done the Seven Witches records. I had kind of found my voice, like I was saying earlier. And so when I approached this record, I really didn't have any preconceptions about my vocals, which might sound weird, you know, having done so many CDs before that, but I can remember vividly being behind the mic, tracking Hades records and nonfiction records and the pressure that was put on me and just, I, I mean, I accepted some inferior tracks. So you listen to some of those nonfiction songs and Hades songs, you can hear me go sharp on parts, and it's still to this day, like, it's like my skin crawls when I hear it. And I'm like, why did I accept that and leave it? But it was just because I was so frustrated, and we didn't think we'd get it any better, and we just left it. So at the point I did the Autumn Hour record, I was very much um, a more confident singer, and I just kind of went behind the mic and was like, this is going to be me. I'm going to do some soft, really emotional kind of stuff. I'm going to try some different kind of singing techniques. And I'm also going to do some totally balls out high screams and make it all try to work together. So that was the record that I felt I really kind of came into my own vocally. And, um, and unfortunately, it was just a one-off. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever do anything again. I mean, those guys have music. But the drummer kind of stopped talking to me after he wanted to sing a song. And I was okay with him singing that the other two guys weren't. And I think he thinks I kind of like undermined him and tried to get everybody to go against him on it. And for, again, it's childish nonsense that I have zero tolerance for in my age now. And I was like, really, dude, like you're not going to talk to me anymore <laughs> because you can't sing a song on the record when you're not even the singer. Like if the other guys aren't cool with if the other guys aren't cool with it, like, just suck it up and deal with it. But he literally just completely cut me off. And those guys would, Clint and uh, Justin would totally go on with another drummer. My friend Forrest, who plays in this Tectonics project I have, he would totally play drums on it. And so he's a great guy, and he's an awesome drummer. But there was something about the core four of us doing Autumn Hour that, you know, without that, I really just didn't even want to pursue it anymore. And I feel bad because I'm sure those guys are bummed out about that. But, you know, it was like, you know, Dave was a big part of that band. I had him doing background vocals on it. He, he brought a very unique kind of technical kind of drum playing to the stuff. And I think he was an integral member. And without him, you know, I just don't think it's the same thing. And 
I, I just, you know, again, I've got these other four things that I'm trying to focus on, and it's, it's just hard to find even time, you know? No, I know. You know, most people think that, you know, heavy metal died on New Year's Eve 1989, like nothing existed after that, you know, and it was a rough time for a lot of bands in the 90s, but you had a, really, look, you had a great output during that decade. I mean, besides the Hades records, besides the nonfiction records, the all-time low, there was power. I love that album. <laughs> Justice of That's Fire. Right, Dan Daly. Dan Daly, man, another Jersey boy. He got me right on the heels of the breakup of nonfiction. It was right around that time where we were just starting to break up. And I know Dan resented the fact that I did that record. He hates when anybody claims that they love that record. <laughs> and it was a very different, it was a departure for me. It was very classical metal, very like Yngwie-inspired kind of stuff. But Dan yep. Alley was super easy to work with. You know what I mean? Super easy to work with. And he wrote some really cool stuff. He wrote some extremely challenging vocal lines to do. I remember being there tracking that stuff at Tracks East and thinking, like, man, am I even going to be able to hit that note? <laughs> you know? But uh, but we got it all done. And, and I, I sometimes it's funny because I, I listen to Shuffle a lot on my iPod. And some songs from that will come up sometimes, like Hands Over Time. And I'll be like, man, this is a really cool song. You know? <laughs> there were a lot of great songs on that record. Deceiver of Truth, Division. I, I love that album. I mean, yeah, a, a lot of synthesizers, a lot of keyboards on that record. Like I said, it does have that Yingvei uh, feel to it. Yeah, for sure. And I was very, like, not used to playing with synthesized stuff, you know. So for me, it was kind of really cool to hear it because I've never really, I mean, I've done a lot of records at that point already, and none of them really had any synths on it. The only bad thing was there's too many instrumental tracks in that record. I think there were like two or three of them on there. Not enough of you singing. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, that's okay. <laughs> hey, you know what, Alan? I'm not going to keep you much longer. I know it's a Sunday night, and you got to get back to the gravy probably. We're going to play a couple of tunes off of some of your records. We're going to wrap it up here. You have anything going on this year coming up immediately that you want anybody to know about? The most immediate thing is we're playing some shows with uh, Jack Frost. There's a Frost Coalition thing, which is the cover band stuff. So we're doing, um, I know we're playing the Chance in Poughkeepsie. I'm not sure of the dates. I know we're playing something out in Long Island, way out on the island. We're also going to be going, uh, where are we going? Somewhere up north. Um, and it's not such the Chance. It's, it's probably about five or six gigs we have lined up for the next few months. So that's keeping us busy. And I really, I promised Marco, my guitar player in Level Field, that I would get to uh, this song, Get Over It, that I wrote with him. Uh, and that I want to finish demoing soon. Like I said, the the next thing that will actually get released is The Silent Assassins, probably not till the spring. I'm all done with that. And it's super cool, man. I mean, LaPond has a 20-minute epic long song on there. He also has another song with two bass solos on it that actually sound great. You know what I mean? You think of oh, bass solos, whatever, but they're amazing. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. he really outdid himself. So I'm stoked for that to finally come out. And maybe we'll be able to get some Watchtower shows happening, but I can't promise that because I think it's kind of slim that we'll get the actual opportunity to do that. But we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to try to do it if we can. Oh, man, that's going to be great. Hey, listen, if you got that show coming up anytime soon on Long Island, I will leave tomorrow because the traffic on the Bell Parkway sucks. <laughs> Thanks. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> All right. Hey, I can't thank you enough, man. A happy New Year. Enjoy it. And the next time you guys are playing in, you know, New Jersey somewhere where I get to you, I will be out there to see you. Sounds great, Mike. Thank you so much for the interview, brother, and you have a great night as well. You too. My pleasure. Take care, Alan. All 
right. Alan Tecchio of Watchtower, Hades, nonfiction, too many bands to name. I could just close out the show with one song off every record he did, but let's get to the Watchtower right now because it's the latest and probably the greatest.
Watchtower, Hades, it doesn't get any better than that. You know what? I think we'll close out tonight's show with uh, something off the Silent Assassin's record, and we'll get on some more music between now and then. All right, let me see here what we can do for you right now. Let me dig up something. How about we do a little blast from the past over here? How about some vicious Bereka? The stars are out.
Rock the Nation. Love those guys. Uh, there's a show on uh, MTV now called Metal Mayhem. I'm thinking about getting a lawyer and suing them, but uh, I don't know if I got a leg to stand on. Uh, it's like a half hour video show. Uh, VH1 Class used to put one on, so I can't remember what they called it. Uh, but this one was actually pretty good. It was more of the heavier videos. You know, uh, they, they had a couple of Slayer, they had Exodus, you know. And it was pretty cool to see some of the old videos from the 80s again. I really don't watch much uh, TV. Uh, usually just the reality shows. <laughs> uh, but it, it was kind of cool. And I realized, like, you know, what a budget they had back then uh, to, to make these videos with. Today, you know, most of them are, like, you know, thrown together real quick. And it's not like it was. You see the live clips of people do it behind a blue screen and add stuff in the background to it. And I get it. There's really no money for it now. And there's really not even an outlet for it except for YouTube. Uh, but back then, people, you know, put on MTV to, to watch music videos. And when I looked this up, I was like, wow, look, you know, they put quite a bit of money into that video, you know, and it was pretty cool seeing this. So I don't know when it's on. Sometimes I show you like 10 episodes in a row one day, then it's not back on for a month. But uh, if you do catch it, it's pretty cool catching up with some of the old videos, I have to say. 
All right, let me see here. Deep Purple were in the news this week. They said that there was uh, misappropriations of their funds by the accountant, their accountant, and they're suing him. This is a story as old as time with bands where, you know, they have other people controlling their money or taking care of their money for them or the business part of it, and they wound up getting screwed. I mean, it's happened to Billy Joel. It's happened to a lot of people over the years. But you think in this day and age, bands would be a little smarter, a little bit more on top of it. I know they're not the local, you know, band from the neighborhood where, you know, they've got control over everything because it's, it's very small. They're a major band, a big outfit. But there should be some, you know, oversight to this. I mean, you would think they'd check on it on a regular – I mean, look, my wife is on a bank account every day checking to see if a penny went in or a penny came out. <laughs> so you would think they'd be a little bit more involved and a little bit more on top of the money, maybe have a little bit more control over, over that part of it as much as they can at least, you know, without, you know, taking away from being in the band. I mean, I feel bad. I mean, nobody should be robbed by anybody. But, you know, in this day and age, you got to be on top of everything, especially your money. That's the most important thing. These aren't 20 year old kids where if they lost a couple of hundred dollars or a couple of thousand dollars, they got the whole life to recoup it. At that age, what do you do, you know? So uh, hopefully they'll get that straightened out and get their money back. Uh, I doubt it will happen, but you never know. Uh, so Joey Tafola from uh, Jack Panzer, he's now with Leatherwolf. Uh, I would play a song by Leatherwolf, but I'm pretty sure that we banned him from the show. Uh, for missing an interview, at least I think we did. I can't even remember. There were so many people in the book. I mean, we kind of gave up on that book last year. We gave everybody a break. We kind of opened it up again. But I, I think somebody from the band was supposed to be on the show a couple of years ago, and it kind of screwed us and never called in. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Joey Tafola, a great guitar player, has a killer solo instrumental record out. Uh, he's going to be on the new Jack Panzer record, which should come out this year. Definitely something I'm looking forward to. We'll see how that all works out for them. And then we've got the Battle of the Accepts. There's actually only one Accept. Uh, Udo Dirkschneid is here in the U.S. He actually played in New York, I think, a couple of nights ago. Uh, I wasn't able to make that show because uh, I work nights, so I couldn't get there. But uh, caught a couple of the videos. Uh, they have a Fast as a Shark up right now. Sounded good to me, I got to tell you. I mean, uh, that club is a nice place. I've been there one time, I think. Uh, and I haven't been back there since then, but uh, good sounding place. So he he sounded great, Udo, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I think he sounded great in the record, too. A lot of people complain that he lost his chops. I mean, listen, the guy is like in his 60s. He's been doing this for how many years? He's not going to sound like he did when he was 20, especially with the voice he had back then. But he does a great job on that that live record, in my opinion. And it was kind of cool hearing him sing the old Accept songs again. I mean, Mark, who's in Accept right now, does an amazing job. I love all the new Accept records that he's on. I think Mark is a great singer. He does a lot of justice to the classic Accept songs. He did it when he was in, in, in cover bands and the TT Quick playing those tunes back in the 80s. So, But now they're both putting videos up showing like different versions of it, and they both sound great. So let's enjoy both of them doing it while they are, because after this tour is over, Udo is wrapping up the Accept part of his life, and at least that's what he says right now. We'll see what happens a little later. Forgive me, I got a little indigestion here. My uh, daughter and a friend went Philly, and they brought me back some Philly cheesesteaks from Geno's. So uh, I'm kind of downing them in between the songs. <laughs> I try and play a couple in a row today. Uh, so uh, forgive me for that. All right, let's jump back into the music right now. Phantom Lord with Battle Zone. <laughs>
Sometimes you're running out of songs on the playlist, so you gotta lift a band on some bands. All right, they are a good band. Uh, they just kind of screwed me and, and stood me up, so we kind of banned them from uh, <laughs> the show. We did that with everybody. Kind of stood us up at one point or another. But that was the song Warlords. Good stuff over there. All right, we're down to about 20 minutes in the show. We'll get on a couple more tunes before we wrap it up here, and then uh, I'll have to check the calendar to see who our guest is next week, and we'll announce that. But let me do some. Uh, how about we head over to Mexico for Megaton Posidio?
All right, there you go. I don't know if you've heard about this uh, Megadeth boot camp that this thing Dave Mustaine's come out with. It's in March. It's a weekend. There you go, Friday, Saturday, and you leave Sunday. Um, and the, the price, I mean, it's unbelievable the price is asking for this shit. I guarantee you that people will go and pay it. I think they're out of their fucking mind, <laughs> I'll say to you right now. I mean, for a weekend package, which is really one full day there, you probably can't go till Friday afternoon, and you got to get out by Sunday. And it's $2,300 a person. For that price, you get to stay at a hotel off-site. It's actually a casino off-site. <laughs> They'll bust you in every day to Dave Mustaine's uh, estate in California. Now, he says he doesn't live there anymore. It's an estate with a winery on there. It's a humongous piece of property because he lives full-time in Tennessee right now because his daughter's going to be the next big country star, you know, so I guess he's over there uh, helping her career out. But you get to stay at a hotel. For $2,300, get busted to his compound, you get breakfast, lunch, and dinner, uh, access to workshops where they teach you how to play, uh, we'll give you lessons on how to play guitar, bass, drums, or whatever the hell you want to learn how to play, uh, a, a limited, I'm sorry, a, an intimate acoustic performance by Megadeth, access to his gardens, an on-site paparazzi, which is probably some kid with a camera, to take your pictures of unforgettable moments, and a commemorative Megadeth boot camp laminate, which costs all of about 35 cents to print up at uh, Kinko's or Staples. But if you want to stay at Dave Mustaine's house on his ranch, I, I, I'm saying ranch, I'm sorry, on the actual property, well, you could do that too, and that costs like $5,500. But you don't get to stay in his house, you get to sleep in a tent outside in the backyard somewhere in a tent, and they got a portable shower and a porta potty that you can use, you know. It's, but, but it's private. So I guess everybody's got their own porta potty and their own private shower trailer to share. Who the fuck is going to spend $5,500? And it doesn't even include what you have to spend to get out to California if you don't live there to go hang out with Megadeth for a weekend. And then on Sunday, uh, Dave Ellison is going to do a mediation program, uh, which I really think Dave Mustaine needs to attend more than anybody else because he's like the fucking angriest guy in the world. And on top of that, he'll do services also because he's a pastor. So, because it's Sunday. I can't believe anybody would actually go to this or spend the money on it, but people will go. And I'm hoping that they put up videos of this because I'm dying to see what this is about. I think it's insane to spend anywhere from 2000 to $5,000 a person to go hang out for a couple of hours each day with Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. Especially when Megadeth plays in your town, in your area, five times a year. And for about $25 more, you can do a meet and greet and get the same amount of attention that you're going to get by him and his people at his ranch or his compound or whatever the fuck he calls it, winery and estate. I think it's absolutely insane. That's just my opinion. But all right, let's wrap it up here today. We're going to close things out. We'll do a little Silver Mountain. And then I'll surprise you with the last song, and we'll close it out today and call it a weekend. Uh, next Sunday night, Jacques Ballinger from Assassin's Blade, and people may remember him from Exciter back in the days when Dan wasn't in the band. We'll be our guest live next week also. Don't forget to tune in, 6 p.m. Sunday night. Until then, everybody have a great week. Enjoy what's left of the weekend, only a few hours ago, and I'll see you next Sunday night. Take care, everybody.
best heavy metal anywhere. BlogTalkRadio.com and Heavy Metal Mayhem. Delivery from Staples. Staples guy. More storage bins? Great. Yeah, and you saved a ton with Staples' 110% price match guarantee. I am resolved to getting organized this year. Now everything is boxed up and put away. Hello? What was that? Oh, no. I boxed up Paul again. Resolve to get organized and get 20% off select office supplies. Staples. Make more happen. Applies to regular priced items only. Excludes ink and toner. Other restrictions may apply. Ends 1-14-17. Staples will match prices for items from retailers with online and retail stores and refund 10% of difference. See storestables.com for details. Delivery from Staples. Staples guy. More storage bins? Great. Yeah, and you saved a ton with Staples' 110% price match guarantee. I am resolved to getting organized this year. Now everything is boxed up and put away. Hello? What was that? Oh, no. I boxed up Paul again. Resolve to get organized and get 20% off select office supplies. Staples. Make more happen. Applies to regular priced items only. Excludes ink and toner. Other restrictions may apply. Ends 1-14-17. Staples will match prices for items from retailers with online and retail stores and refund 10% of difference. See storestables.com for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.